Hailing Frequencies Open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Picard. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and ass deep in Romulans is not where you want to be. Sitting in tonight, again, in place of my usual co-host, Ella Pearson, is my co-host on the Just Enough Trope podcast. She's also the host of the Sailor Noob podcast, and she's a frequent guest on Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage. It's Mika Hanna. Mika, welcome back to Discoverage. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back here uh, again this week as Ella is away, and uh, I want to talk to you, but I want to get our guest in here right away, so we'll just bring him right in. Uh, he's also joining us on the show tonight. He's a New York Times bestselling author who has written over a dozen historical and fantasy books for young readers. He's also the author of The Assassination Game, a Starfleet Academy YA novel set in the Kelvin universe, and his latest book, Allies, tells the story of the D-Day invasion from the perspective of the young soldiers and civilians involved. It's Alan Gratz. Alan, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here, and I don't think that we have talked since Picard has started airing. Uh, what have you thought about the show so far? I really like it. Uh, I, 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 I'm always glad to see Picard back on screen. I thought the yeah. first couple of episodes were a little slow, but things have picked up a lot lately. Um, mm. I really loved uh, the uh, the episode where they uh, they went in costume. It felt a little uh, a little uh, um, kind <laughs> of uh, ho- a little holodeck. You know, I liked yeah. I liked uh, Patrick Stewart in, with the uh, eye patch. Uh, but uh, and and tonight, of course, was total fan service for a TNG fan like me. So. Uh, I'm having a good time with the show. Absolutely. it's And it's definitely got us to a point where, like you said, the action was kind of ramping up. Then we yeah. had kind of a lot of action. And this episode sort of uh, gives us both. We kind of take a break a little bit. But also there's still a lot of action happening. Yeah, they had a little bit of stuff going back on, on the rom- on the board cube and um, and a little bit of stuff on the ship, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, on Rios's ship. But it was nice to have that that time away with the TNG characters. And, and they really gave, I thought, Troy and Riker a lot of time to shine. Yeah, yeah. And we will definitely talk about that as we go. Uh, yeah. Mika, I wanted to talk with you or commiserate with you specifically about the uh, the death of our dream of going to <laughs> Emerald City Comic Con this year. Yes. Uh, it, it, the, the wound is still fresh. Um, <laughs> the wound yes. is still bleeding. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, we were really looking forward to going to Emerald City Comic Con again this year. Uh, we haven't gone since 2016, but uh, with the coronavirus uh, being at an epicenter in Seattle, we decided being around about 100,000 nerds was probably not the best way to go. <laughs> I don't think it's 100,000. I think that uh, <laughs> that would that'd be a really big con. But yeah, it would definitely be at least uh, 10,000 or so. Uh, and it's not like I feel like we're going to go and get, you know, COVID-19 or something like that. It's just at a time like this when half the um, half the vendors and the artists and the companies involved have kind of pulled out. It just seems like why go concentrate with a bunch of other people in a city who that has a literal like outbreak happening. Uh, it just seems like the prudent thing to do. Yeah. And and also, if everybody's canceling, how much fun is it going to be to actually <laughs> yeah. be at the con? Yeah, right now they it sounds canceled. <laughs> they haven't canceled the convention itself officially. No, and I don't no. think they ever will. Uh, I know that that's you know that's their bread and butter. I understand that that's how it works. But there's been a lot of uh, look, DC Comics itself has pulled out. Like it's yeah. 
no, nobody that represents DC is going to be there. And so it sounds like it's going to be a bunch of nerds, you know, in a half empty convention center <laughs> dressed up as Deadpool, just kind of staring at each other. Um, Which is the way that, that Comic Cons began. So in a way, it'll be going back <laughs> we're to starting over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alan, I know that you travel quite a bit to schools across the country to talk about your work and the subjects that your work covers. Have your travel plans been affected by the coronavirus concerns? Not yet, but I have had a couple of uh, things that are coming up where they've let me know like they're still looking at it. I have a um, a middle grade uh, festival in Chicago next month, and the organizer just recently said, we're, we're trying to figure out what we're doing. Uh, and yeah. the publishing world has really been hit by this. The London Book Fair and the Bologna Book Fair, which are two really big international trade shows where domestic American domestic books are taken to the international market. Uh, the London just got canceled. And I mm. think the Bologna, Bologna is already canceled because uh, that's Italy. Obviously, that was a that was a big or, or a quick one. Yeah. Um, and and of course, most of our books are printed in China. So right. uh, there mm. you're we're, all of us are going to start seeing delays in books on shelves uh as these cities where where chinese people are not allowed to leave their homes yeah uh, right. they can't they can't go to work and so those books aren't being made uh and then there's also the question of who's going to pick them up and bring them back to us even when they start printing them because everybody's afraid to even to to set foot in china uh, so it's it, it's a it's a i i i had some travel uh lined that, so i had somebody ask me to come do a Hong Kong Book Festival, in fact, and oh. I wasn't able to do it because of other scheduling things. And now I'm I'm sure it wouldn't even have happened had I been able to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's affecting a lot of people uh, in a lot of industries. And uh, yeah. this is sort of uh, just for the Just Enough Trail podcast. This is kind of you know con season ramping up for us. And even oh. even as we look to later dates in the summer and in the fall, we're kind of questioning whether those are going to come off at all. So yeah, a lot of scrambling going on. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, it's, it's the people who are being affected and, and who are um, who are dying from this. That's the real concern. I mean, all of the rest of it is right. I mean, I know that I know that, and all the rest of it is inconvenience for us, obviously. But but um, it's a real serious deal. And and so if I guess if it means a year of missing cons and 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 books not coming out and that sort of thing, like that's that's cool. It's gonna it's gonna change some of my travel plans for fun too this year. I'm yeah. I, I think. And and that's that's unfortunate, but it's you know if it's got to happen, it's got to happen. Yeah, and it's important that everybody stays healthy and you know yeah. thinks twice before they take risks. Um, speaking about publishing, the last time that we spoke, uh, we were talking about the impending release of Allies, and I was asking you if you felt like you were picking up momentum in your career, and and people were starting to be aware of you and like where you thought you were, and and you said to me that the real test was if your book was in Target, if it sold at Target <laughs> stores, then you're in. People are going to pay attention. Yeah, well, just the other day, I was at Target stocking up on shotgun shells and the hand sanitizer. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, I saw Refugee by Alan Gratz on the stands next to John Green and Jenny Han et al. There it is. So I, I'm official. I made it into Target. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess the next the next big hurdle is Costco. I guess, but uh, I'll take I'll take Target for sure. Uh, Costco's so, no, great because they got to buy a case of them, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you have to buy the collected works of Alan Gratz if you buy them at Costco. Uh, no, to to be at Target is a big deal because uh, honestly, there are a lot of communities in the United States that don't have bookstores, uh, and they buy their books at. Uh, grocery stores and Target and Costco. 
Um, and the, even even communities that do have proper bookstores, um, a lot of people just do their their book buying in other places. They don't even go into bookstores as as much as that kills me to say it. Um, but uh, so the 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 exposure that a book gets in a place like that is incredible. So yeah, I made it. I finally made it. You did it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks and, for talking to whoever you know at Target. I appreciate that. Yes, yeah. Well, I did what I could. Uh, <laughs> well, congratulations, and it's great to have you back on the show. Good. And we have just seen the seventh episode of Star Trek Picard. It's an episode called Nepenthe, and we're here to talk all about it. But first, as always, a warning. We're setting a course for the Spoiler Zone listeners. So be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us. But if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for Nepenthe is Picard and Soji transport to the planet Nepenthe, home to some old and trusted friends. As the rest of the La Serena crew attempt to join them, Picard helps Soji make sense of her recently unlocked memories. Meanwhile, Hugh and Elnor are left on the Borg cube and must face an angered Nerissa. This episode is written by Samantha Humphrey and Michael Shaben. Shaben is, of course, a Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist and the co-creator and showrunner of Picard. Humphrey is a television writer and producer who has worked on series like CSI New York, NCIS New, York, New Orleans, and SWAT. She's a co-executive producer on Picard, and this is her first Trek script. The episode was directed by Douglas Arniakoski, who had previously directed the Discovery episodes Lethe, The Sound of Thunder, and Through the Valley of Shadows, as well as the Star Trek Short Treks episode The Brightest Star. He's a co-executive producer on Star Trek Picard. And the in-universe date of this episode is 2399. Uh, no, well, there is actually a flashback at the beginning of this episode, I guess, uh, yeah. to three weeks previously, uh, but no big jumps there. Uh, there's a couple interesting aspects to this episode. I should mention that Nepenthe is a fictional medicine uh, mentioned, I believe, uh, in the Odyssey at one point. Its name means literally um, no no sorrow or anti-sorrow, and it's given to Helen by Polydamna. And with this episode, uh, Jonathan Frakes becomes the f only Star Trek performer to appear in five different live-action Star Trek series. Uh, mm. They'll squeeze him onto Discovery yet somehow. Yeah. And Marina Sirtis becomes uh, the only performer to be the same character in four different live-action series. This episode also introduces the children of the uh, Troy Rikers, uh, Kestra Troy Riker and Thaddeus Troy Riker. And this is the first live-action episode to reference the Xinti, who first appeared in Star Trek in the animated series episode, The Slaver Weapon, but they are a race from Larry Niven's Known Space series. Uh-huh. Something of a crossover there. Yeah, uh, I want to see big cat people on my screen. They can't just say that and not uh, <laughs> deliver on that. Yeah, the cat people from the Niven books are great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of the episode? I thought it was great to see um, Riker and Troy again. Um, and uh, I got a feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I got a feeling when I saw Troy. Yeah, again. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was it was great to see them again. Um, a little little bittersweet to find out about their their son and everything. Yeah. Um, but I I felt like Troy was really trying to reach out to Soji and you know, do her thing as a counselor. And so she was having none of it, but I guess I can kind of understand that because she's been through a lot of traumatic experiences lately. So, yeah. And, and Troy, I think professionally, you know, identified that um, we've seen her on TNG before, not only use her 
uh, empathic powers to sort of get a read on people, but also she's just got you know she's got the skills of a a very talented uh, counselor and um, and psychiatrist, and so yeah, she can tell even though she can't read this girl's mind, she can tell that uh, this she's got some problems. She needs some help. Yeah, yeah, Alan, I love that you. Too. Yeah, I love that too. That that both Tri- uh, boy, boy, both Riker and Troy got really featured. You know the the previews. Uh, uh, we saw both of them in in earlier previews. And right. in last week's, you know, next week on, we got Will Riker in there. And it felt like it was going to be very heavily Will Riker. And I really loved it for a, for a lot of the episode. And, and, and before Will got his time with Picard, Troy did. And, and, and she was a real, uh, I thought, a major player in this. And it, specifically in the development of the Picard character as, as he is now. And yeah. all season long, you know, I, I haven't been on, on this show to talk about Picard yet, but as I've been watching the episodes all season, I, I keep asking my wife, who's also a Star Trek fan, and we were watching it tonight together, and, and, and I said, does it feel like Patrick Stewart is playing Picard or that he's just Patrick Stewart giving lines? Mm-hmm. And I felt like for a for a early part of the season, and particularly the first couple of episodes, I did not feel like he was playing Picard. And now tonight, I feel very differently. I think he's oh, I do believe he's been playing Picard, and I think that he's been playing him with vulnerability. And this is something that they talked about in the 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 producing Picard or the the you know talking Picard show with Will Wheaton. Like like this is he's playing this character with vulnerability. And and he is a wounded character when we come into the beginning of Picard. He has stuck his neck out for the Romulan refugees. He has um, he's been uh, shut down. He's been you know driven out of Starfleet. You know he says you know do this or or I'll resign. And they're like great, get out of here. And he's gone. And so he's a he's a he's a he's got a wounded psyche. And this this respite, this this moment, this healing moment is not just for Soji, and it's not just. For for Troy and Riker and and Kestra, it's also for Picard. I think I think yeah. he's there to be restored. And I started to hear Picard in him when they were at the ready room in the ready room at the dinner table right. when he's finally talking to Soji and he's getting his he's getting his strength back. He, he's getting his strength of resolve back. And um, so I, I, I see now what they've been doing with Picard all the way, the character of Picard. And, and I really liked that. And I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more assertive Picard in the second half. Yeah. They had to sort of break him down before they built him back up again. Yeah. Um, there's definitely been, and it continues in this episode, a sort of a directive uh, or drive to kind of detonate the myth of Jean-Luc Picard, be he captain or admiral, and everybody right. that he meets from his past has to take him down just a little peg uh, before <laughs> we can kind of kind of bounce back. Yeah, this was um, like we said before. This is an episode of uh, both warmth and uh, thrills and chills, and it's a long episode too. It's uh, fifty-eight, yeah. uh, fifty-nine minutes long. Uh, so they're really packing it in here. Um, and as we open, we definitely um, – we get confirmed something we talked about uh, on an earlier show, which was uh, we saw a, a still of uh, a mind meld between Gerardi and Commodore O, which we, gets paid off here in her sharing this vision uh, that motivates uh, Dr. Gerardi to do all the things that she's done. And I don't know what you – I didn't do a freeze frame or anything, but did you guys get any sense of what was happening there? I mean we saw – Planets exploding and people tearing their faces off, but I got the impression it was a uh, real bad news. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I think it was everything is bad and horrible. <laughs> She's just so, having I mean, her uh, mix shaker salad, you know, out on the lawn, and then <laughs> this happens, yeah. and then up comes the salad. A lot of puking from Agnes in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And she swallows uh, that blue pill really fast. I thought, like, um, like I know, I like, I guess it looks like a mint, but she just hands her this tracker, and she, it's like, are you she's to like, eat you that? have to do it, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> and, and and you know, it felt very Matrix, like here's the blue pill, and and yeah. um, like I, I, but I also, so uh, I felt like the the mind meld, like, where is this coming from? If is she is she from the future? Then it, does she? Has she seen what happens and she has come back to the past to stop it? Because where where would she have those images to show her mm-hmm. if if she hasn't experienced it? Can a I guess a Vulcan could mind meld with you and project whatever they want into your brain, I suppose. But it yeah. but it felt very visceral. At least it, it, it we're supposed to take it that way for Girati. And um, I don't know. I, I think I think that time travel at this point would be all that we're missing from uh, Picard. Yeah. But my uh, sort of headcanon or, or my guess is that it's some kind of uh, like cultural memory. Like perhaps mm-hmm. this was some kind of uh, mini apocalypse that happened, you know, hundreds or thousands of years ago when the Romulans formed this opinion about synthetic life. And then because they can share... Um, Katra or thoughts or experiences, this is kind of like a meme. It's like a mental meme that's been passed between Romulans and now to, if Commander or Commodore O O is a Vulcan, uh, to this Vulcan person as well. And that was was a big question, right, among fans. Is O a Vulcan or is she Tal Shiar posing as a Vulcan? Right. And unless... Things have changed a lot since TNG, and, and I'm less up on all the changes in the movies, but... I guess unless she's a Riemann Romulan, she wouldn't be able to use telepathic powers. As I understand it, the Riemanns were the only ones who ended up with some telepathic powers from the Romulans, and the Romulans lost theirs originally when they split off from the Vulcans, or they rejected it. Um, And so that's the other thing. Either it's a fake— and she's doing something else to her, uh, or if it, but it very seemed very like it was like, like a legit mind meld. So, other than that, she's really a Vulcan. Um, but as we learned in in Enterprise and other shows, the Vulcans can be dicks too. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> yeah. no problem. I also yeah. liked how she uh, when she was confronting Gerardi, she was telling her that they were you know were tracking her, and she had um, downloaded three hundred gigabytes of data. It's like what 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 happened to kiloquads? I know, right? That's not a whole lot in the future, is it? That's a couple. That's, that's a couple like, Blu-rays, okay. yeah. Scared <laughs> him some movies. Yeah. Uh, the show moves back to the artifact, and we have uh, sort of two threads of action here as we follow the characters on La Serena, and also the characters who are still on the cube. And as um, La Serena is being tractored by the cube and unable to uh, escape. Uh, we see that Raffi is sort of hacking and kind of looking through, it looks like uh, surveillance cam footage, and she sees what I'm assuming was the holding area where they had the affected Romulans before, and she sees um, these multiple drawings of these uh, circles, uh, which look similar to, again, I didn't really freeze frame this, but it looks similar to the necklace that Dodge and Soji both wear, but there's like an extra circle that seems like a link of a chain, and I was wondering if you guys caught that and what you made of that. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I I didn't catch that either. Um, I think that's really interesting. And if it is like their necklaces, but it's like another 
chain? Like, does that mean there's another synth out there? Or is that, like, does that represent data somehow? Or what is the missing link? Yeah, I'm wondering how we're going to bring Brent Spiner back into this. Yeah. I, I I think data's out there. I think that Bruce Maddox has put data back together. We get the, we, I think this is where we're going uh, and it may be in a different body and that may be a way to bring data back in without having it have to be Brent Spiner all the time. Sure. Um, sure. But, but we were told in one of the early episodes that Maddox thought that one, uh, one atom or something, one quark of something or, or, or of data could, could essentially rebuild all of them. And if he's able to build a new positronic body, like he has with, Soji and Dodge, then he could have put data into anybody. And I, I wonder if data's effectively out there creating new sense somewhere. And I feel like that's where we're going, that we're going to find data again. That would be pretty crazy if that's what it was. Um, we see on the cube that uh, the Romulans uh, led by, um, wh- wh- uh, what's her name? What's girl? Narissa. Narissa. Rizzo, Rizzo, like from uh, from the T Bird, from, from, uh, yeah, from yeah, the Pink Ladies, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I I really don't understand like her role at this point. I mean, clearly she's yeah. Zatvash, but she also seems to hold some position uh, with the Romulans uh, as well. But they are um, just shooting down the Borg, uh, trying to get the information out of Hugh about where Picard has gone to. And, of course, he won't give them up. And so it looks looks bad for them. Uh, we see Narek jump in a shuttle or a craft to try to follow Serenia in a real uh, real Death Star escape stratagem here. You know, let them think yeah. that they've gotten away and then we're going to track them back to wherever they're going. And um, she makes, Rizzo were, makes the... There were a couple of Star Wars references, or at least uh, allusions to that. Mm-hmm. When she yeah. says, like, I know I should be the one to say we can go hide out from, you know, in a crater and a meteor and it's a monster like that yeah. that was a yeah, empire reference. and and <laughs> and i felt like it was done while they were caught in a tractor beam and while they're waiting for boba fett to follow them i mean like it's it like I, I felt like there was a little wink and a nod like we're borrowing a little bit from star wars here let's just go with it definitely yeah <laughs> and when the serenia takes off later you know they boba fett i mean Narek uh, follows them right. off to wherever they're <laughs> headed uh, to maybe Nepenthe's Cloud City, maybe that's what it is. Right, uh, the freak dog was Cloud City. Yeah, uh. <laughs> they get to Nepenthe, and as um, Mika had pointed out to me off off air, that uh, trajector has a real good resolution there because they drop them <laughs> right on the Troy Riker property, which is amazing. Right. I know got... it's like they didn't have to travel that far at all. It must be a very small planet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's just one in, one out. Uh, they have uh, space bunnies or, or bunny corns, I think they're called. And we meet uh, Kestra, uh, the daughter of uh, Riker and Troy, uh, named, of course, after uh, Troy's sister uh, who passed away when she was younger. Uh, Who is an interesting character. We meet her. um, She's LARPing, basically, right? This is like uh, Lord of the Rings LARPing. Well, yeah, her her brother made up that that language. Uh, I can't remember what they call it now. Like, he made up like 12, I guess. And uh, she was... Uh, what what did they they said like a, a daughter of the forest or oh, the, wild, the wood? child of the oh, forest or something oh, yeah, yeah. wild or something like that yeah yeah uh and uh picard uh, as he's uh, talking to her uh basically just uh she she he he doesn't he, she says the quiet part out loud is i guess what i'm trying to say uh she's basically like oh you're an android yeah. And, uh, <laughs> if you didn't yeah. know by now, Soji, now you know uh, what the situation is there. Um, 
I still don't know. We finally find out in this episode that she didn't know about Dodge. I don't know how she didn't know about Dodge. Like, yeah, or why she hasn't gotten the message to trust Picard when all, all of it goes sideways. Because yeah. Dodge did. You know, when Dodge does her call, you know, when things go bad and she calls mom, they're like, go find Picard. Or right. she gets that word. So why didn't that activate in Soji as well is weird. Yeah, that's that a is, really good question. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Um, that is uh, a good question. Um, another good question is, so the Rikers are having bunny corn sausage. And yeah. I th- maybe this is part of this kind of uh, rustic uh, anti-technology life they seem to be living. But I thought that uh, Riker was a, a vegan or something like that. I guess we don't ever get yeah. details. But we here in one TNG episode, he talks about how we don't uh, kill and eat animals anymore. Oh, wow. I forgot. But then nobody that. mentions pizza either, so maybe things have yeah. completely changed by this point. <laughs> it's okay as a topping, but not as the main course. Maybe. <laughs> um, so uh, Thaddeus is another reference. Did you guys? Uh, so uh, and Memory Alpha is already all over this. Like yeah. uh, it's a reference to it's a deep cut to Voyager, where a Q episode with the one with the Civil War, where a Q saves. Uh, Thaddeus Riker in the Civil War so that sure. William T. Riker can eventually uh, be around to stop the Borg. Uh, right. That was a... I, I was expecting... I was like, that's not his dad's name, is it? Like, I kept trying to remember his dad's name. Mm-hmm. and um, But no, I, I, that was a really interesting choice there, that, that they named him after some long, long dead ancestor of Riker. Yes. Um, it's a it's an interesting and strong choice, too, to have to put tragedy in the yeah. in the Troy family again. Um I mean we could have just easily had two precocious kids running around. Instead we have one and I um it's not a bad choice. I just I wonder why they wanted to to make that choice um specifically. I think it was totally for the it was a writerly reason and and that's one of the reasons I don't like it as much. It felt entirely there because he died because synth research stopped. And it yeah, was kind of, yeah. it, was, it was like, it was like my kid died because stem cell research is illegal. And, yeah, right, right. and, and that's why we need you guys, you know, like, um, so it's not all bad to be a synth. And, and, and that's, that's Troy's ultimate message when she's giving her counseling session to Soji. And, and I was like, okay, I get it. It's a little, it's a bit heavy handed though. Like, um, I, you know, I feel I felt like the, the their their personal tragedy had been written into the show expressly to help this one android move along. Um, sure. So, uh, I, I otherwise, I mean, it's a good reason why they might be off isolated somewhere rather than like in the heart of Beta Z or in Alaska or something. You know, I mean, like, um, you know, some instead of near their people, uh, maybe why they would have separated themselves so they wouldn't have the memories and also so they could be on this planet with its recovery proper properties. Yeah. And it also um, gives just from a, like a plotting perspective, it gives uh, Picard more excuse to not immediately go to Riker, uh, a guy who's you know on active uh, reserve or whatever for Starfleet. Um, they're, they're kind of out of the game at this point. Um, and I think like, like he, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that, that Thad's death too, like gave something for, for Kestra to try to relate to Soji about like, 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 you know, (laughs) the mucus wasn't enough. (laughs) No, like you've had tragedy and and trauma in your life. And so, so have I, I lost, you know, somebody that I loved and, and that sort of thing. I thought it was kind of there for that too. And I thought that the actress, the, the young woman who played Kestra was great. Um, you know, Star Trek has a, um, 
a long tradition of putting kids in shows and and not always <laughs> successfully. Uh, and and um, I thought she was a I thought she was great, and I thought the writing for her was really great because I felt like she was written like a real kid, like. Do you have mucus? You know, do you like all she, she basically <laughs> didn't ask her. She went to the bathroom. You know, what I mean, like, like that. You know, like it's it's questions that a kid, that a real kid would ask. And I thought it was it was a nice way to put a little bit of levity in there, and for for her to ask those questions of Soji. And when Soji's questioning if she's real, you know, it, 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 and and who or what she is, I, I thought it was a really clever device in that regard to have her peppering her with questions. Yeah. Can you lift a car? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you like Sherlock Holmes? I li- and I love the data references. Do you like Sherlock Holmes? You know, <laughs> in that, in that and, and it's like, oh, well, data did, you know, if you're his daughter, you'd probably like it too. Yeah. Um, I thought those were nice. I thought those were nice. Uh, back on the Serena, uh, we've got Rios uh, trying to shake Narek off. And, of course, they don't know what the problem is. Uh, but we are starting to get a problem or an idea of what the problem is. And uh, Agnes, of course, is still being affected by um, what's happened so far. And I'm presuming not wanting to confront Soji because it should be something that she really wants to confront, but because she is going to have to once again, you know, do what O has ordered and presumably to try to destroy her. Yeah, um, I find Dr. Girardi to be after after was it just last episode where she killed Bruce Maddox? Or yeah. was it the one before? Yeah. It was the one before, yeah. One before. So uh, ever since then, I've had a real hard time accepting this character as anything but a villain. And look, I don't know what the the, the stuff that she chewed up and swallowed is probably going to be nanites. And, and they, it's obviously what they're using to track her. But But did it do something else? Is it something controlling her? Is she... She she seems to be completely on board from the early scene in this episode with doing what needs to be done. I mean, not not happy about it, but on board with it. And people were ripping their faces off. Right, I know, but <laughs> but still, it's it's a quick turnaround to just believe it. I mean, yeah. Um, and I, you know, after killing Maddox and then like still being a part of this crew and knowing that she's putting all these people in danger, I. We we saw some clips in the previews for next week where there's some confrontation with her, but it's going to be really hard, don't you think, to to redeem this character and to to enfold her back, fold her back into the crew, or is is this a character that was always going to be the 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 mole, the poison pill, and and not be a part of this crew? It feels like she is. Well, she definitely didn't get interesting for me until she did what she yeah. did, but yeah, I think maybe redemption is coming, but I don't think any length of stay will you know redemption through her death or you know that kind of thing where you um just fit you know you you zero out a character's account and then that character's going to be gone yeah i don't know i i I wonder how they're going to play this and was she committing suicide in this one or was she trying to remove the stuff and it went bad i don't know what's going on with that unclear yeah mika what do you think it could have gone either way um when she I mean, got that kinda... thing out of the 21st century 3D printer that they put in for some reason. <laughs> I know. I mean, it seemed like she was trying to commit suicide, but like me, I mean, I don't know. She, I mean, like, like you mentioned before, Alan, like she like swallowed that pill, like, or what the tracking device. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Like she didn't even think about it. Yeah. And oh, uh... she threw up. maybe she thought it was a breath mint. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just find it interesting, like, 
she was so determined and she was so sure of herself when she came and she found Picard on his vineyard and she like shot somebody and then like they got Maddox and then she didn't flinch at all when she killed him. And then just this episode, she's like, Oh, I'm feeling bad about this. Oh, I'm feeling (laughs) sick. Oh, I, I don't want to kill a synth, but, but she didn't feel bad about killing Maddox, somebody who she was romantically involved with. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I think it's a weird, I, I think the writing for her has been strange, and I get uh, is in that early episode when when we when she's with Commander O and the scene is cut off, and we don't see her again until she shows up with Picard. It's immediately suspicious. It's like, oh, okay, well, right. she didn't show up to warn Picard. Like she got, uh, uh, but but the the way to, the way that it would have been more redeemable is if they had something on her. If they had if they were holding something over her, uh, a family member that they were going to hurt or or something like that or. And even even this could be could be walked back if they lied to her and and showed her something that was if the visions were so overwhelming and so powerful that she couldn't couldn't imagine, you know, that they were that they became real to her. But it's going to be so hard for her to explain that to the other characters and for me to accept them buying that. Yeah. And no matter how extreme and face tearing what the thing that she saw was, I'm always surprised by especially in this you know later iteration of trek on all access the characters of the world don't want to they want to act individually and not take anything to the public or take it to higher authorities like when we think about the world of star trek i think of a very benign um totalitarian sort of society like the kind (laughs) of thing where there is like a government that controls everything but you can trust them uh, that's a fiction, but and so why yeah. not like just t- bring this to the news? I know she's being approached by somebody from Starfleet, which is one of these arms of the government. But immediately she's like, "Who do I got to kill to stop this yeah. from happening?" Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, Riker, even, Riker even counsel isn't isn't it Riker who counsels Picard? Maybe you need to take this to Starfleet. And it's yeah. like, and I felt like Picard could say like, "I I tried, dude. You know, like I." I went there and they shut me down. You know, they 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 used profanity in a Star Trek show to get rid of me. And, um, <laughs> it's like garlic to a vampire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so there's other admirals besides the lady from uh, Vulcan Love Slave or whatever the band is. <laughs> but maybe not. Who knows? Uh, we know that the press is um, is a problematic because, of course, the show yeah. opens with the press uh, being that way. So maybe they're maybe they're doing their homework here. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, and, and Picard. They've shown that that he is uh, he and Rafi are both viewed as uh, outsiders on this. That right. that everybody else is everybody else feels like we really got uh, we, we really got hit hard by the synths, and they are the enemy, and we're okay with this synth ban. Yeah. Um, and, and so it would be a it'd be a hard sell for him, I guess, going public with it. That mm-hmm. that makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, back on Nepenthe, we're making pizza, we're eating it, uh, they're all <laughs> sitting down at the dinner table, and as they sat down at the dinner table to sort of talk this over, I immediately thought, oh, this is like Logan. This is very oh, similar to Logan. It's even got Picard right. in a similar role <laughs> as Professor X. He is a guy past his prime. He finds a young, promising girl who has been experimented on and lacks you know, a family or structure, and he's trying to shepherd her to to safety only he's kind of professor x and logan in this case <laughs> yeah uh, 
Yeah, and she's way better. I mean, yeah. So she like you know like the new like the new X twenty three or whatever the girl's called, and you know like she's the, she's also uh, a pretty pretty good at handling herself. Um, yeah, yeah like she doesn't out. really need Picard's help, um, <laughs> except that she's now emotionally wounded, and and that's yeah. so that's the interesting thing there is that he can help her. Well, she can obviously defend both of them pretty well, but he can help her maybe find who she is along the way. Yeah, and Troy does make that point, as you mentioned, yeah. that uh, she she really needs that. Um, uh, we head back to the cube, and Elnor and Hugh are heading to the queen cell to do something or other. Uh, he yeah, mentions I never Hugh. That. Yeah, Hugh mentions that he wants to take the artifact away from everyone. Right. And then um, they get in a fight with Rizzo, and uh, it's a kung fu <laughs> fight because that's how the Kuat Malat and the uh, Zat Vash have to get down. Yeah. Of course, in the midst of all this, uh, we lose another character. Man, man who else can they bring back and kill? Another off? one bites the dust. Yeah. I'm starting to worry yeah. for Rector and Troy now. I was really bummed by that. I'm just like, come on, yeah. you know? <laughs> and it's like, it's so quick and fast. It's like, oh, I'm going to throw a poisoned knife into your neck and then you're yeah. going to die. Yeah. I, I, when When Hugh was spared, so I was watching this with my daughter as well. And she's a teenager and very savvy about this stuff. And I'm like, did they just like when this earlier on when when all the 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 Romulans were shooting the Borg and trying to get information, and we see she's like, kill them all, and we cut away. And I'm like, did right. they just kill you? And my Off daughter's screen. like, did, did we see him die? No, like he's not yet. <laughs> he'll die on screen. I'm going like, okay, I've trained you well, Grasshopper. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so no, so I, I felt. I was like, maybe, maybe they'll let Hugh live, you know? And then, no, they killed Hugh as well. Yeah. I, felt a little, I felt a little bit like a Mandalorian moment without spoiling that show for people okay. who are not listening to Mandalorian. But, it, but, um, but I, I, you know, where I just, there was a character I'm like, oh no, not, not that one. Like, I mean, like some of the other characters that they brought back and killed quickly. It's like, okay, okay. I get it. Bye each But, um, yeah. but, but like with, with, with this one, I thought that Hugh is. I thought the actor did a great job with that role, and I really thought that 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 was a great holdover from TNG. Like when they brought Hugh on, and we were like, "Oh my god, that's like that's like actually the dude who played Hugh playing Hugh." I mean, we yeah. were. It was a really nice like connection to TNG that that was a payoff for people who are real real serious fans. Yeah, and uh, hated to lose him. Yeah, and his uh, his reunion with Picard last week was really great, super warm, and uh, and I think that like you know the fact that he's in charge of the of the reclamation project is pretty cool, and he obviously cares about the XBs and their welfare and everything. So I yeah I was really bummed to lose him too. I just was like why, and then like go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say like what you're saying about last week with. with Hugh and Picard together, it, it was also, you know, Picard, the, the character has taken a lot of grief this whole series about the, mis- the the mistakes that he's made and the people he's let down. You know, the Romulans ended up getting let down and, and he, he let down Elnor when he didn't come back. And, and there's all these people that he wanted to help that he was trying to play savior to and he couldn't fix everything. And it was really nice to have Hugh be like, dude, you like saved us, you know, like, that, remember that thing you did where you didn't kill all of us, you know, like didn't didn't program us with a virus like we're here because of you. And that was a nice redemptive moment for Picard as well after taking a lot of grief this season. 
I also thought that it was maybe there's building up for that to be kind of his Icheb in a way, because we know that Seven experiences this this loss and this grief over this character. And Picard is empathetic, but he didn't know Icheb. And now this right. is kind of a similar situation where maybe, you know, the death of Hugh is like just one straw too many uh, as far as him finally fighting back. Hmm. Where now he'll go against his own advice to to Seven of Nine and 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 go actual after some need a little vengeance. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah I can uh, see that. I, I was I also was like, why Elnor is supposed to be so so much of a um, you know an assassin, a a samurai or what have you? Like, why did he let that knife go by? Well, I know he was busy. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like though, if he if he's if he's really in the business of defense, like it seems it, it seems like he would never have let. And this is me nitpicking, and and I'm, I'm with you, Mikan. I mean, it's like like why like if if I was there to protect Hugh, if I had stayed behind specifically to help protect this guy, I'm not getting into a mono mono fight with a Tal Shiar agent. Like you right. know, forget that stuff. Like just. Uh, kill her and 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 get on with it, or take the guy, take you and run away. You know, like whichever one is going to protect your 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 charge. Um, well, I, I think so, it just shows that he's human or a Romulan that she <laughs> she kind of drew him out. You know, she's sort of like yeah. uh, show me your Wu Tang style. You know, and so maybe he got a little focused <laughs> on that instead. But... They, should, they could have had a rap battle. That would have been really great. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Although he was clear-eyed enough to see the uh, Fenris chip that Seven had yeah. given Picard. Now, did I miss something? Why was it just hanging there? I don't know. And okay. it, it, took me, it took me and my family a second. We're like, why is that there? Yeah. And, okay, sure. Unless, yeah, this, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Picard left it for him, but we, I never saw that happen. I didn't either. So I don't remember that either. I guess people will <laughs> let us know if there's something that we're missing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last part of the uh, storyline on uh, La Serena is that they, at this point, know that they're being tracked somehow. And we've got um, uh, Rios pulls uh, Raffi aside. Well, first of all, you have Raffi talking with uh, Agnes. And yeah. I, don't, I don't like it when characters are, like, too smart or when they are, you know, like, gotcha, they always have the right information. Um, but I kind of thought that Raffi might have figured this out. Like we've seen, I, they've they've proven to me that Raffi is very smart and very capable uh, and an intelligence officer. And I thought maybe she might have had some hint of this. But instead, we kind of double down on the dramatic irony because then Rios takes Agnes aside and is like, "I think they bugged Raffi." And so now we've got. I wish our characters were smarter. Now we've got two characters who yeah. both are losing the plot here. They 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 are not on uh, the right track. Also, Raffi is a conspiracy nut. And yeah. so, like, why was it? Like, like, it would be really interesting if she's, like, pulling Rios aside and she's like, dude, that girl, she's the mole. Like, she's the reason that we're being followed. And and Rios is like, you know, dude, I slept with her last week. It, it can't she's be her. Yeah, and, right. yeah, and, and um, so, like, the like, it would have been nice if if – if Rafi had seen through that because of her conspiracy, like seeing conspiracies everywhere, that would yeah. have been really nice. And in fact, I thought when when Rios talked with with Girardi, like when he went down to say, like, I think Rafi's the reason they're following us, they're tracking her. I really thought he knew that it was Girardi and he was trying to gently push her into doing something about like to admitting it. OK. And. And I thought this is clever. And then he goes up top, and he's like, 
clearly thinks that Rafi really is the the mole because he's like, I might have to put you off the space right. line. Can you there. fit in the torpedo tube? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was disappointed, too. I thought that either one of those characters should have been smart enough to see this coming. And does the EMH not file any kind of report? Like, I mean, like... I guess not. <laughs> like, it seems to me if the EMH had had been present at both of Dr. Gerardi's, like, breakdown moments <laughs> where she keeps dismissing the EMH or the psych, emergency psych, you know, hologram or whatever, right. like... It, it seems to me that if it's my ship and they're all made in my image, they're filing reports with me every day. But, I suppose, yeah. yeah. Maybe there's a threshold of activation because it, <laughs> it, it's made clear when we meet Rios that he's uh, a rough-and-tumble guy and he doesn't want to be ner- uh, babied by the computer. So maybe, maybe he's got a set to like only insurance. life-threatening yeah. stuff. Unless you, don't, unless you don't put in an insurance claim, it, it, it doesn't trigger. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I did thought like it when... was... Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you... Oh, I just thought it was interesting, like, when when Agnes uh, threw up the second time in the episode, and uh, uh, Rafi was like, uh, we're having a hospitality emergency here, and, like, none of the holograms showed up, so I was thinking, did Gerardi turn them all off? Right. (laughs) But then he shows up when she's, like, practically killed herself. So I don't don't know. (laughs) I was with you. That was my immediate thought. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, when, when she was like, "Where, where's the emergency hospitality? And I'm like, seriously, where is the EMH when she's barfing? And like, I, I thought the same thing, that somehow after twice being bothered by it and, and being realized she's going to be outed, you know, the telltale heart or whatever, then she, <laughs> you know, she she ends up disa- deactivating it in some way. But then it does show up. So I, I don't know where that went, if, unless she was really not physically sick, but just really making herself sick and that's why the emh didn't activate if that makes I, sense yeah, yeah kind of be. i, I yeah. did like how when he did finally show up he's like please stay at the nature oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah very different than our doctor from voyager who that was, is an yeah. emergency yeah <laughs> and the episode yeah. pretty much wraps up with uh, picard and gang uh, deciding to head out because uh, kestra has called this Frankly, creepy Captain Crunch character who He's I'm not, not sure she should be talking to. Really weird, yeah. Yeah, but they uh, find out where the uh, planet with the two moons are, and they're heading off there. Yeah, I kept googling like who is Captain Crandall, like trying to figure out if this was a reference to something. <laughs> I see. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't think it's anything but a plot device to help move them forward. I guess because okay. there was a lot of discussion about whether he could be trusted to take them off planet, and I'm. Like, why are we talking about this guy if we're never going to see him? Yeah. So, well, and then, like, why is a teenage girl texting him? I, yep. I just <laughs> <laughs> yep. so many questions. Very strange. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe we're going to see Captain Crandall. Maybe it's the outrageous Okuna who's been living next door to him the whole time. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> you like that? I knew you like that. <laughs> that just means he's going to die, though. <laughs> well, I don't want Bill Campbell to die. He's the next cameo to die, right? Um, <laughs> So no, I I kept trying to figure out who that was, and and um, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it is somebody who's been keeping an eye on. Maybe it, well now listen to me. I'm like writing this out, but like, what if it's some character from our past who's really been pretending to be somebody else so he could keep an eye on Will and 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 uh, Deanna and make sure they're safe. And mm. now he's going to follow Picard. Now I'm just writing some crap. It's it's nothing. Well, there's this is, it's all headcanon. <laughs> there's certainly no hints in the peek at what we see of next week uh, where we see that seven of nine does return and we see more 
ripping faces off, and it looks like it's uh, things are coming to a head here uh, near the end of the ten episode run. Yeah. If I now, if I called that, and Captain Crandall turns out to be somebody from the past or like important, I I I, I got to win a prize or something because that <laughs> that is like one of those just way out there headcanon moments. Uh, Marvel used to have uh, no prizes, where basically uh, the prize is no prize, but you get yeah. the recognition. So. I will take I will take a no prize. We'll give you a no prize for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a very long episode, and I enjoyed it a lot. I did think that there was a lot of retreading of ground. Um, yeah. that I am not sure why we were doing it. It's not like you are you really need to catch new viewers up because they can just go back and watch the old episodes. So <laughs> I thought it could have standed to be a little bit shorter. But otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, uh, fun and uh, enjoyable. And I was questioning about why it's so long. I think these days, you know, it used to be in the old days, shooting on location was expensive and a pain. And nowadays, it's probably cheaper to shoot on a cabin in Big Bear than to mm-hmm. create a whole space battle inside of a computer. That probably costs about 10 times as much as yeah. just shooting around a, a cabin. So maybe this is, um, they just took that opportunity to go, let's spend some time with Picard and the Troy Rikers and just kind of chill out here for a while. Yeah, yeah. Didn't it feel a bit, bit like uh, like uh, Captain Kirk's retirement home in the the movie where he's like in the... Yeah. The, the, Excuse me. Yeah, yeah down was, to uh, the cooking and yeah, everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, that that felt like a, a, a like an illusion. Um, they also kept showing the rock formation in the background, uh, yeah. and I didn't know if it's just because they spent so they got a nice artist and spent some money to do that, and they wanted to keep showing it off. Um, <laughs> but I also wondered, like, as soon as they said the planet has restorative powers, I immediately thought of Star Trek Insurrection. Right? Mm. Isn't that? That this is my least favorite movie, and I think it's part one of the worst things that they've ever done in all of Trek. But <laughs> so I've seen it, I've seen it once. Um, but isn't the isn't the premise of that that there's a planet that keeps people? I guess it makes you immortal, or it keeps re, like makes you better. Um, I feel like I was I was actually kind of wondering like is this that planet? Um, hmm. But I don't think it's supposed to be. I think I think it's disconnected. But I wondered if. I don't know. I wondered when they kept showing that that exterior shot of that that arched uh, rock, if that was supposed to be a reference to something from something else we'd seen. But uh, that may just be me conspiracy nutting it. Well, the Baku's planet had rings in space, you know, around the planet. Um, this planet yeah. has ring mountains, so I don't know if that's a thing. And this one, when they do pan up, it has like three moons. They don't. They they yeah. didn't show ring. They had an opportunity to show us rings, and they didn't. So, although when you said arch, I immediately thought of arch, like in, in the holodeck. So. Oh yeah, or oh that's interesting. Or the arch of the um, guardian of uh, forever, right? Oh, the boy. <laughs> that's a I mean, that's a, but, but that, it's not any of those things. It's just it's just an interesting prop that they made for the background. Sergi Asha I'm, must die. Yes. Um, <laughs> wow, we, we're getting more tinfoil hat than Rafi at this point. I know. I know. I need I'm my snake juice. Yeah. I want to say, before we wrap it up, there was something that I really liked that was toward the end of the episode. And that was the scene with with Will Riker and and Jean-Luc Picard out on the lake. Uh, And um, look, this was totally this was a very fan service episode. And and it it, it, it gave me all the feels. And and I cried a couple of times just because I love seeing my old favorite characters back together Mm -hmm. and hugging each other. Like when Troy hugs Picard and I I was just like, oh, God, yeah, this is great. But but both that moment. 
and the moment on the lake are where I'm going for, is that the last episode of TNG, um, the it, it, in the last scene when Picard comes in and asks if he can join the poker game, yeah, that was a moment where Picard the character says, "I've been a little bit aloof. I've I not a, more more than a little bit. I've been aloof. I've been distant. I've never joined in." On this family, I, we're a family, and I've never taken part in that. I've kept my distance as a captain, and and it, it it seems like in this last episode he is going to make changes in his life. Then we have a bunch of movies where we don't see any of those changes because there's no time for that. Right. But in this episode, I feel like we're seeing the effects of decades after that decision. He has friends. He doesn't come back to to Riker and Troy because of what they can do for him. Like, yes, they're offering him refuge, but he's not, he's not asking Troy to read somebody. He's not asking Riker to get him a ship or to be his, his number one again. He's coming back because they're friends. They're a safe harbor. And, and I like when Riker uh, is out on the lake and puts his arm around him and, like, hugs him. That is a, and that is something that we would never have seen Riker do in TNG ever. Like, that familiarity with Picard... That they are no, they are of course captain and first officer in the past, but now they are really friends, and right. they always were, but they had to keep that distance before. And I thought that hug was, I don't know, I I felt like it was a payoff for that last scene in the last episode of TNG, and that that really shows a progress and development in this Picard character. I agree. I like too that he was messing with him a little like we know that yeah. <laughs> Riker is a guy that likes to break people's balls but he's also uh he's a consummate officer and so he can never do that he can never go up the chain with that but now that they're more equals he's kind of like okay John Luke what do you got going on here yeah it was, right. it was a, a nice moment yeah I thought the writing for both of those characters was great and um you know Michael Chabon has said that he is a, a fan of team uh, uh, of Star Trek and, um, you know, he was a co-writer on this episode and, of course, a producer on the show, like a lead producer on this. And I think that we're seeing a real love for what's come before. And yet, at the same time, uh, understanding that, that the show can't be putting the old crew together and running another mission. We've seen that in the movies uh, from the old series and uh, from the original series. And, like, this has to be a new show. And I do like all the new characters um, but, but we also are not going to forget where we came from. And I, I really like that. Mika, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I just, I really enjoyed the episode. Um, I like to see, uh, Troy and Riker again. And, um, I, I thought, uh, that, uh, you know, um, Soji, like she seemed to kind of trust them a little bit in the end. And, uh, I, you know, uh I think that they're they're trying to show that um she is really uh trust putting her trust in in Picard in uh in a way that she uh you know she she feels like there's there's nobody else that she can trust but here she is with this family and they're they're trying to help her as well yeah I hope that we get to see i hope that she doesn't just disappear once this first season completes because she's somebody who's just been tossed around and, you know, taken from perilous circumstance to perilous circumstance. And she's just kind of a, 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 a waif in all of this. And I hope that we get to see a more like centered, um, 
a Soji, you know, who kind of knows what she is. She's comfortable with, you know, her nature and she's able to put that to work. You know, I mean, we, Alan was talking about maybe somebody else being uh, data, but maybe she could be, you know, our new data. Yeah. With not being the same character, but effectively that role in a, yeah. in a show, she is their yeah. Android, you know, who has the superpowers and everything. Um, absolutely. Like I, I still think we're going to find data, but data's got a bigger, he's not going to be running around with Picard solving small problems. He's, he's like running, helping run or create a planet full of sense is my, is my little projection. And if he really is out there, then it might be like, go Soji, my daughter and, and help out this old man that I love and, and, you know, have adventures together. And she does become the, the data of this crew. He's teaching them all to sing Gilbert and Sullivan. Yes, and do Shakespeare, <laughs> right. right? And play instruments. Yeah, <laughs> the whole orchestra. And take care of cats. They all have cats. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, the crazy cat planet. It's it's a planet full of synths and cats. Find it by smell. <laughs> well, that's one group of people that they will get along with. And <laughs> Well, uh, that's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at E-I-S-T-P-O-D for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. And you can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at E-I-S-T-P-O-D at gmail.com. Also, while you're on the internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show feed. Give us a rating and a review because it really helps us out. If you want to help the show grow, you can stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. And I will mention one more time, because every time I mention it, I get another response. Uh, We are trying to put together a Star Trek Adventures RPG group. Uh, to play uh, at least an introductory adventure and possibly a longer campaign. And I've got a couple respondents here. Uh, If you're interested, you can contact the show on our social networks or by contacting us at EISTPOD at gmail.com. Send us a line. Uh, We'll play on Discord or there's uh, different solutions to play on the Internet. But uh, let me know. I'd like to play a little Star Trek Adventures RPG. Discovery will return on March 12th for the eighth episode of Star Trek Picard entitled Broken Pieces. That episode will be directed by Maya Vervillo, who also directed The Impossible Box. We'll be going live once again at 7 p.m. Central or thereabouts, so join us then. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at EISD Pod to get notified when we're live and broadcasting. And in the meantime, why not check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday on the show, I'm joined by a special guest to discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. We also have news from the Trek Sphere and interviews with special guests. And our latest episode dropped yesterday. On that episode, I'm joined by author William Leisner to talk about the original series episode, Spock's Brain, the original uh-huh. worst episode ever until Threshold <laughs> came along. Yeah. You can check that out at enterprisingindividuals.com or on your listening platform of choice. Mika, thanks as always for filling in with me today while Ella's out. Uh, where can people Absolutely. find you and Just Enough Trope online? Yeah, uh, I'm at justenoughtrope.com and Just Enough Trope on uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook. And uh, Mika and Hana on Twitter. And what's coming up on Just Enough Trope besides not going to Emerald City Comic Con? Yeah, well, uh, we are reading the 12-issue Justice, written by Jim Kruger and Alex Ross, illustrated by... Doug uh, Braithwaite and Alex Ross, uh, in which the Justice League is prophesied to destroy the world and the villains will save it. 
Ooh, dun, dun. That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Any androids in that one? <laughs> Red tornado, uh, maybe, I guess. Red tornado. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Alan, it's always great to have you on the show. Where can people find you online? Sure. I'm at alangratz.com. That's A-L-A-N-G-R-A-T-Z. That's where you can also find me uh, on Twitter at Alan Gratz and on Facebook at Alan Gratz. And I'm now on the gram, as Ooh. the kids say. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is alan.gratz. So uh, look for me there. All right. And I know you're working on a new, a new novel. Any idea when we'll see that? Yeah, it'll the projected uh, publication date, if everything goes well, is uh, about this time or a little earlier, February of next year. So it's a little ways off, uh, but that book is about uh, 9-11. And uh, okay. next year is the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, and that's yeah. why that book will come out in 2021. All right. Well, yeah. uh, keep an eye out for that, everyone. And that is it for us for this week. Thanks for listening. And we're signing off. This is Aaron for Mika and Alan saying live long and prosper. 